0: Hello everybody. I've only got... Hey. Hello friends. (laughs) I've got 25 minutes to present and when I was thinking about this presentation, uh, it changed a little bit. So I'll introduce myself first. My name's Guy Stewart. Um, I work at the Rainbow Power Company but I've got a lot of hats in the permaculture movement. Um, The first thing I want to note at the bottom of each of my slides here is my email address. If you ever want to get up, and it's only 25 minutes, so you should stick around, but if you do get up, I'd like you to send an email with the subject line PPP to gs at rpc.com.au and then you'll be on my list and that'll make more sense as my presentation continues. So I'll tell you a little bit about the story of how, why you're here. Um, I, I always like to present when I get the opportunity, it gives me a chance to put my work out there and have it checked out and opportunity to share what I'm doing and everything else. Uh, when I got the notice back that I'd be presenting here and I had a slot of 25 minutes, my scope and span of what I wanted to present became radically reduced. And what I actually came about was that this probably isn't going to be what I advertised at all, but in fact, it's going to be a process discussion about how I can get what we have in the room here and carry it forward into the world in the service of my topic. So, what's going to, what was going to be a permaculture power plan is now going to be propagating political policy. Okay? <laughs> I probably wouldn't have gotten anyone if I wrote that in the subject line, but it's really important and it's just as fun, in my opinion. So, I'm going to run you through really quickly what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And if I've still got some of my 25 minutes, we'll get back to the plan itself. So, the first thing I already mentioned uh, was my email. So I'm going to be the steward of this policy, and the plan is that we're going to get an energy policy for Australia that's going to become endorsed by Permaculture Australia, our peak representative body. And anyone in Permaculture Australia is going to be able to take that to their local representatives or to their local elected officials or anyone who's in industry or power and say, look, if you follow this policy, if you apply this plan, you'll have the collective support of the Australian permaculturalists. And we're a very influential group at all layers of government and school and education and society. And if you can abide by this plan and implement these policies you're going to get a lot of wins they're going to come from surprising places so we really encourage you to get on board. It also gives you, as permaculturalists, an opportunity to have some really deep thinking that's been done, and hopefully this will be a permaculture-guided document, which will comply with the ethics and the principles of permaculture, so you'll know that if you have these talking points, when someone's talking about why they need to build a new coal-fired power plant to replace Liddell in Queensland, you can say, well, actually, uh, I've done some work with some friends of mine in permaculture, and we've got an alternative to that plan, and this is why we think you should do it, and have a chance to bring some really deep thinking and some sophisticated knowledge to an area of society that's really important and going to affect us all. Yeah. Now, the, the reason I'm talking about this topic now in particular, one, it's kind of trendy, like there's stuff in the news, at least in my news, hopefully it gets into some of your news, but it's also a timely issue. We're now approaching 75% of the Australian coal fleet, that's the predominant. we back in business. Nice work. Um, and and that document will hopefully become some kind of little living entity for a little while. I'm provisionally giving it three weeks in that open period. Um, If no one's done anything with it, I'm going to have to do something else to promote it, because I want to make this happen for me, if no one else. And if it goes off and it seems to have settled down again, I'll wait for some natural rise, peak, and then fall of interest before I close the thing off, and that timeline's dependent on you guys, actually, so hopefully you guys contribute, and me, how quickly I send you your emails. Now, uh, that document then will will be alive. Hopefully, we'll all be you know interested in it. You might not agree with all of it. I don't want you to delete things you don't agree with on it. That's the next stage for us. So once we've developed our little big picture, you know, shortlist, I suppose, of, of policy proposals. We're going to do a bit of a vote system. So I'll send you another link in your emails and you'll then be able to click, I approve, I support this message, I disapprove, I don't support it, or I would like to veto this message. And the veto votes will have additional weighting. Obviously, if you use vetoes for everything you don't like, I'm not going to weight your vetoes. But uh, if you just have like, yes, I agree, no, I disagree, yes, I disagree, and you have one that's in particular, definitely not, I'm not interested in using sawmill waste uh, to burn for bioenergy. I think that's a risky proposal, this is hypothetical. I think it's a risky proposal uh, and potentially threatens our native forests and our native forests are far more important uh, than bioenergy, in my opinion, that'd be something you might be very passionate about. Um, you might not want that as a policy, as a permaculture platform, so you could enter that in, and I'll take that into consideration. I really, this is not going to be a consensus decision-making process, but I'd really love if we all agreed and got on board, and this really carried the weight of permaculture as an ethic and a set of principles and everything else with it. Now, I will also uh, shortlist some stuff. Like I'll, I'm I hate to say it, I'm an expert in this stuff. If any off-the-wall ideas show up there that I don't think, maybe they're, they seem a bit like popular, but maybe they're not. They're flawed. I'll, I'll do my best to feedback to the group about why I may have rejected any proposals that I do, but I will curate the list to a degree. And once we're happy with that, we've got the votes in, it all seems good, we're all moving forward, I will then present that to Permaculture Australia as a motion for their directors to approve. Yeah. And hopefully they are all on board with it too and they think, fantastic, this looks great for Permaculture Australia. We're getting a policy position together, all the work's been done for us, it's a formality, maybe they contribute something, maybe they don't, that's fine. And we get all that together and then we've actually got something that becomes ratified, supported by the organisation, which is representative of all permaculturists in Australia. And that's actually starting to have some meaning and some merit that, that is a, as a tool. So what happens then? You guys meet your local officials. Uh, Maybe you're already on first name basis. Uh, Where I work, they come to me anyway. Uh, Our building is very photogenic, so anytime there's an election, all the politicians line up to come and have their photo taken outside the front. Um, Solar power, renewable energy is wildly politically popular in Australia. It's like 85 to 90% of Australians support renewable energy, more renewable energy. So everyone wants to have their name On the ticket so it's a good opportunity to have something to present to them and say look if you really want to get the vote here's what you need to do you can't just show up and get your photo taken for the paper you need to make your policies your party's policies align with this document and hopefully that's got enough weight then to move forward and if i can say this document represents how many members have we got in permaculture australia hundreds of members hundreds and hundreds of members who are dedicated, who meet regularly, who have, again, sophisticated policy positions around the country. Maybe we can actually see some uh, some change. Now, hopefully, what happens is I'm, I and you... Oops, go back, go back. I and you are a very compelling, uh, compelling agent of change here, and that politician... Okay, a little bit of an aside here. I've, I've had a little bit to do with politics now. Uh, policies, uh, they kind of dribble... What's the word? They kind of float up the chain, you know? If something's a good idea, they become the policy eventually once they make their way through the machinations of the bureaucracy. So if a policy's good, it may just end up being the policy of the day, And then what happens, once the government's got a policy, they usually have no idea how to implement a policy, right? They put their name on They say this is what's going to happen for Australia. And then at the back, they get a big bucket of money, and they say, all right, who can do this? And then they farm out these options. They say, all right, you can do uh, the coal-fired power thing, you can do this part, you can do the solar panels, you can do the batteries, and that sort of stuff. And then the policies get implemented through cash. So what that actually means, if we have permaculture policies, they'll be looking for permaculture people, and permaculture people who have permaculture businesses can then say, look, I'm so aligned with your policies here, look at all these things I can deliver, and we can start to have some more permaculture-selected enterprise sort of come through those government channels. At, at the moment, uh, government funding is, is a bit of a stitch-up in a lot of ways. You kind of have to be in the know, and if you're in the know, you get the... You get the notifications, you get the grant applications, you get the policies and all that stuff in advance. If we start to write the policies and start to present them, then we become in the know and we start to get the resources and we start to implement these changes across our society. So that's, the, that's kind of the vision and the plan there. <laughs> if, if it all works, look, this is all for naught unless we actually get results, right? Like This is my perspective on how to make change at a national level, with a national body, at a national event. All right, that's, that was my kind of priority here of getting this together. Um, I actually believe that change happens at grassroots, local communities, and re- relocalisation, and I think we should strengthen our individual relationships with our community and those the things that support us on the ground. That's where I actually put my day-to-day life but I do think it's important that we take some time and it might just be five minutes instead of doing something else that's more fun, writing to a submission uh, for the, to government and we might actually see some changes like Costa announced this morning that the government heard. Maybe they heard us, maybe they heard someone else, but it, they definitely helped that more voices pile on. Uh, it might take a little bit longer to decide whether they're going to start to. Uh, anti-fungicide, fungicide fungicide, all brassica seeds that come into Australia. Maybe they're going to take a bit longer on that sort of decision. So at the very least, we might give someone in power pause before they give the next Liddell the green light go-ahead with, you know, $50 billion of government funds. Alright, cool. So there's the final thing to do on the email. Now, with all that in mind, I presume some of you actually came here for an energy discussion rather than a political discussion. Uh, Is that the case or are you just happy to listen to me talk? Yes. You came for the energy stuff, all right. Yeah? You too? All right, cool. Um, I'll, I'll go into a little bit of that because I've still got time to go. Uh, first up, can everyone put your hand up who can explain the difference between power and energy? That's a little bit scary, actually. All right, keep, keep your hand up. Right, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. If you know the difference between power and energy, keep your hand up if you could explain it to the group. All right. Now keep it up if you want to explain it to the group. All right, i got two. I was expecting one, maybe. All right, fantastic. Look, Ollie, you're closer. I'm going to give you the mic for a second and you can explain to this group in a fun way what the difference between power and energy is because there's about three quarters of us here who maybe aren't 100% clear. Let's see.
1: A good start might be power would be the instantaneous amount of force I might put on someone pushing them and the energy might be that over time. If I spend a lot of time pushing you, I might be able to push you a long way and that might be, represent an amount of energy as opposed to a strength of how
0: hard I push you. Maybe? Yeah, maybe. Does anyone... Yeah, let's get another one, another perspective. The reason I'm doing this is because I actually think this is a critical literacy. I think that every Australian should understand the difference between power and energy and I think they should understand the units. The same way you understand the units of currency you know how to spend money in a shop, the same way you understand the units of volume and the way you pour water or get a, buy a certain amount of food at the shop, you should be able to understand the energy that goes into our things and what that means. Graham.
1: Well, I'd, I'd see energy as the currency of this. It's, the, it's what you're using, but power by definition is the rate at which work is achieved. Okay, so. Great. Maybe you can say just a bit more about what work is, is work. Because I have an understanding of, of this because I've studied physics at whatever, but like when I first heard about like the sentence you said, I thought works when I'm like working. And so in terms of physics, maybe you could explain.
0: Oh, jeez. We've got a few examples. Cecilia might be our saving. Well, I didn't study physics,
1: so energy is the ability to do work and power is the ability to stop People doing work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Coming back to the front. All right. That's very good. So, look, I think that gets us some of the way. It, it, what that really tells me, though, is that energy literacy at a fundamental level needs to be improved across Australia. And this is, it's, not, it's not a go at you guys. It's a complicated topic and it's one that's not given any weight. And in fact, in my world view, energy and power are some of the most fundamental forces of the universe. They are absolutely core to who we are and the way we operate and we should understand a little bit about the universe that we're in. So I'm actually motivated to help people along with that and I, I want to inspire people to take a little bit of interest in understanding this. I think, it, again, it also is in your interest, right? Look, energy descent is maybe something that's not so interesting these days, right? We go through these cycles every now and again where it becomes very clear and present that there's something very, very wrong with the world's energy systems and then as a follow-on, immediately, the world's economies. We're not in one of those cycles at the moment, in my opinion. We're not crashing down in any way. We're coasting along and that's gonna mean sufficient money for everyone. That's gonna mean sufficient power for all the operations that need to happen. It means sufficient fuel for the car. But it's important as we go forward as permaculturalists, to have some stopping some understanding in that process. And the reason why this is important to me is because if you think about the priorities in your life, there's a few things you can do to make simple lifestyle changes that can have a dramatic improve your lifestyle with low energy environment. Yeah? And some of them is just reducing the amount of energy you consume or moving to low power appliances. So, Ollie got pretty close in my opinion. fact, uh, you all had a go. Cecilia, I think yours was valuable, but maybe not what I was going for. Um, the energy you consume is measured in kilowatt hours. It's the thing that you guys all pay for on your electricity bill. You'll see it. The average Australian household uses around 20 kilowatt hours per day. Yeah, A little bit more than half of that goes into hot water, your hot water system in the side, but that's off, off peak. And the reason we have that off peak hot water is because the coal-fired power plants, that power our electricity grid, don't really like to turn off and on too much. They like to spin along at a pretty steady rate continuously so society wakes up in the morning and works hard and uses a lot of power and then goes to sleep at night and turns everything off and lights go off and everything stops but the power stations keep powering on so the way that we as a society addressed this issue of surplus power available to us at night was to put all of those loads those massive loads and it's It's over a quarter of the Australian grid goes into hot water, electric hot water. And it's cold, we're burning almost entirely unnecessarily now, we could completely shift that grid power over um, to other means, very economically today. But there's not in the interest of the grid to do that. So we've got this issue where we've got a chicken and egg situation. The politicians will, Oh, it's really hard to know who's pulling whose leg, but energy companies the media and politicians in some kind of sick circle will say, we need all of this energy in the grid, we need coal-fired power, look at all this demand, how are we gonna meet society's needs with energy? It's there, we're not gonna shut off people's lights to save power at night. It's not like that. We've actually geared this whole grid around a defunct and now obsolete aging solution, and we can completely change the way the grid works. Right. So in the last five years, we've seen solar panels move from cost of around 25 cents per kilowatt hour installed, and that's probably about what you were paying for your power, it depends where you are in Australia, but most people pay between 20 to 40 cents per kilowatt hour for their electricity. Uh, You can now buy solar panels, fantastic. You can now buy solar panels, have them installed on your roof, if you're in a reasonably sunny part of Australia, and over the life of those panels, they'll produce power for around six to seven cents per kilowatt hour. So you're buying power at 25 to 30 cents per kilowatt hour, you can put it on your roof over the life of those panels, they'll produce power for around six cents per kilowatt hour. Now what that means though, is that if you have all that power that's getting generated only when the sun's out, only during the middle of the day, and in fact solar panels produce power when the sun isn't out uh, on a cloudy day, you'll still produce power out of solar panels, um, we can actually shift an enormous amount of the load, the so-called base load, this is the amount of electricity that's in the grid that's continuous, right? seen to be continuous, that's the reason we can't shift to a higher penetration of renewables. We can shift that base load down and use what's called opportunistic load, and then using the exact mechanisms we've got in place now in the grid, we can say, all right, it's a sunny day, we've got lots of solar panels, let's heat some hot water, and that comes in, takes a big bite out of that solar panel, out of that solar power panel power, and then that uh, heats the hot water when it's there. Right? The grid can control that today with the technology we've got, with the surplus daytime solar that we've got. It's all imminently possible. There's nothing stopping it from happening. And this would be one thing that I'd like to see in our energy power policy, the shift in the way that these controls happen away from the power companies and away from people people who are invested and, I don't know, what's the right word? Motivated, I suppose, financially incentivized to distort the energy market, to say we can't have renewables in it, to start to shift that over to somewhere else, where they can start to look at the grid as a whole, Australia as a whole as an electricity network, and we can say how can we efficiently move towards complete renewables in Australia. Yeah. And it's, it's, like I said, it's entirely possible with what we have now. We could do it very, very quickly. And in fact, some countries, some countries have They've moved to entire renewables. ACT, where we are right now, is very, very close, if not already there, to 100% renewable. All right, they, all of the energy that's produced in the ACT and all the energy that's required in the ACT is powered by renewable sources um, as a net figure, so they still import and they still export, indeed, as we all will, right? As we've got solar panels in our roof, during the middle of the day, it'll be more than our household can use. We'll export that power out to the grid. At nighttime, we've got deficient power. We may have a big supply somewhere else. It could be hydro systems around the place. It could be municipal battery systems that are around the place. It could be home battery systems that we've got. We'll export that surplus or require that deficiency from the grid. We're still gonna participate in the grid. Now look, I guess it's arguable around the place, and I'm, I've got one minute left. I realized I've just raved the entire time about energy. I have a lot to shh five minutes left. Cool. Um I have a lot to share on this topic, um, and you'll see what I have to share because I'm going to publish it for you guys to see when you send me an email. But I'd like to take this moment now to open the floor to somebody else to take advantage of your time of being here because I'm always going to have me, but I'm not always going to have you. Uh, considering Beyond Zero Emissions have come up with a stationary energy policy going back sort of five years ago, and that's gone through a bunch of iterations, and there's some other groups working in this space, how do you see what you're doing differentiating from that? Great question. This is not the first time someone's come up with an idea like this. The difference between my plan and their plan is my plan's going to be for everybody. How many people here have read Beyond Zero Emissions stationary energy policy? Or oh, did you get through it? No? Did anyone get through it? All right, mine's going to be one page of dot points, All right, you have no excuse, not, even if you can read English, you'll have no excuse not to be able to get through it. The idea of it is it's going to be simple, and this is the problem we've had, and it's one of the problems I presented earlier on. All of this information is completely inaccessible and made inaccessible, I think, almost by design. Look, I love BZE. I love they're scientific and rigorous about it. They're ahead of the game, but I think they've missed the game, <laughs> which is in the hearts and minds of the people, right, with votes, and dollars who are paying all the money, the trillion dollar industry that's the energy industry, made from people like you contributing, you're all buying energy regularly. Where's the plan for those people? Where's the policy they can get behind and understand? And I don't think it exists there. So mine's gonna be different in that it's gonna be readable by people, it's gonna be accessible by politicians, it's gonna be sound biteable for one. (laughs) I also think five years ago was a long time ago and a lot's changed and we're now ripe for a brand new fresh sort of attitude towards energy. More questions, but I'll take someone else. Yeah. Okay, so the the units that they're measured in, uh, power is measured in kilowatts. It's actually measured in watts, but the usable part for us for the most part is kilowatts. Yeah. Um, Energy, which is power over time. So like Ollie said, you can measure the power that something requires and you'll see this on the back of your appliances. Every appliance in Australia has a compliance plate on it if it plugs into the wall, and it'll say on it 500 watts that's the power that that appliance nominally requires. It's a good starting point anyway. Yeah, um, You take that appliance, that 500-watt appliance, and you run it for five hours, you've consumed 2,500-watt hours or 2.5-kilowatt hours. So it's a function of time. Yeah. So the power is when you plug it in, that's how much it's going to take. If you leave it in or plugged in for how long, that's how much energy it's going to use. And they're both really, really important concepts to understand and get familiar with. All right. Is change in the room? Graham? Well, on that point, uh, even in your discussion, you're interchanging uh, power supply and energy. So I think the grid is supplying energy. When that energy is used, that's the power side of it. Gr- the grid supplies both power and energy. Yep, and it's very useful in in power systems to understand why this is the case, right? So if we go back to our solar system on the roof example, you might have a two kilowatt solar system. You know, these days you probably have a three kilowatt solar system or if you're really lucky, you'll have a five kilowatt solar system. Oh, well, go for you. Uh, Now, if you've got a five kilowatt solar system, you probably don't have to worry about this so much because that's quite a lot of power. But if you only have a two kilowatt solar system and you've got loads in your house that are more than two kilowatts, what's gonna happen, you're not gonna have enough, the grid steps in and supplies the extra power that's required at that time. Now, what can actually happen and usually does is you might have your kettle on, right? Kettle consumes about 2,400 watts, about 2.4 kilowatts, right? That's, that's how much power it needs. Your solar system's only putting out, yours isn't, yours is putting out heaps, Is isn't either. Someone, does anyone here have a two kilowatt solar system? All uh, right, I do. Uh, your system's putting out two kilowatts, your kettle needs 2.4. 400 comes from the grid, but the kettle's only on for five minutes. So you've got this power that's required, this peak surge, and then it stops. But your solar panels, they're producing in the sun all the time. They're actually making heaps of energy, heaps and heaps of energy. You, You have insufficient power, you've got excess energy. But guess what? The guy next door, he doesn't need it when you need it, you need it when he doesn't need it, and it's the way the grid flows around, providing both power and energy to the people that need it in our communities. Yeah, Aaron. No, it doesn't exist yet. This is the point. Look, I have policy points. No. (laughs) Look, what's going to come through is emails to you guys. You're going to send me an email, ppp at gs at rpc.com.au. From there, I'm going to send you a link, and then you're going to see what I have there. It is not fully formed by any means. My original intention with this was not to have me talking to you guys up the front with a microphone and a screen for 25 minutes. It was to sit around in a circle and have energy experts or lay people explain to me what they wanted in an energy policy and for me to collate that. That's not possible given the time I've got. But what is possible now is that we can make this through. So yes, I will send you something if you send me an email. No, that, that's the start. That is the first step. E- email, e- email. I, it'll be friendly, it'll be fun. Send me an email, I'll send you an email, and this thing will take form from the ether and become very real and very important and very easy to read. And you will no longer feel energy illiterate, you'll feel like you are a highly sophisticated permaculture thinker who deeply understands the energy issues of Australia and has solutions at hand. The Solar Citizens Group, I do, yep. Absolutely, solar citizens is fantastic in my opinion. Look, I the, the think it's—I'm not exactly sure. It's if not 20 percent, it's around 20 percent of Australian households have solar on their rooftop now. That's a massive percentage of Australians. It's an enormous potential lobby group. Uh, I mentioned before, Australians love solar. 98 uh, percent don't know the exact number—between 80 and 90 percent of Australians want more renewable energy. It's a very, very popular political topic. Uh, I think the biggest limitation is the. I guess, lack of confidence in the solutions and then looking to someone else to provide them. Um, that's, that's the bit I want to eliminate. So this, if this policy goes well, it'll definitely get on to Solar Citizens. If it goes really well, they'll pick it up and put it through their network too. Yeah. I, uh, I, like I said, I'm, I'm in the industry, so I've got contacts with lots and lots of people at government in other industri- industries, um, just with the general public too. So I'm gonna try this out and road test it. I, other efficient, yeah. Oh, Ollie.
1: Halfway between a comment and an introduction, um, I just wanted to mention that uh, I am not haven't focused much on policy uh, stuff, uh, but I've really appreciated uh, Guy's significant knowledge in this field and input um, uh, with me, and I'm pretty interested in energy systems, uh, so I'm looking forward to his input, and even though I'm not into the policy stuff so much, I'm gonna give it a go and come along. So. I hope there is a bit of interest in fleshing that out. If only it brings more uh, awareness to our group about these matters because Guy has a lot to share. So thank you, Guy.
0: Thank you. Awesome.
1: And I just want to say that Guy Stewart is also coming from the ground up, working with a lot of community groups in the Nimbin area as well. He's interested in local food and has really been developing a lot of uh, groundbreaking uh, community replicable, um, really... The cooperatives and uh, local food and community resource and energy projects at the ground level, and we teach together on Robin Francis's PDC, which I have some of our uh, flyers for. We teach on about 15 of the subjects, and it's so brilliant having guys' uh, technical knowledge, which uh, we, we, as a team, we yeah. send your young people to us. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. I really appreciate both of you speaking up. That's fantastic for my ego. Uh, There's one more thing here. Um, I just wanted to say the reason I kept this generalized. You can see them all there on the side. I kept this reasonably generalized. If you are not interested in energy whatsoever, or this topic is like, yeah, okay, good for him. That sounds great. If you have a passion for something, and I'm pretty sure you all do here, you have something you're really interested in, if this works, and I actually would like you to still subscribe, you may not participate at all, but you'll begin to see this process, and maybe you'll take something and iterate this process, give me some feedback and say, oh, that bit didn't really work very well, or that worked really well. And instead of energy, you are doing something else, and then we begin to get a whole portfolio of policy out there on the Australian Permaculture website, um, Permaculture Australia website um, that really reflects the core values of this organisation and makes it very accessible for everybody and very clear to everybody what we're about in their lives and in their sense as well. Right. Yeah. Just yes. Yes. Look, I actually i don't even know when Renew Fest is. It must be reasonably soon because I'm getting a question every other day about it. Mid May. Look, I should have this done and be able to present at Renew Fest. This might be the topic of my conversation at Renew Fest if I can get that together. Yeah. I'm just
1: is to help people take it on board um, because you know, not everyone's interested in energy, they might be more interested in jobs and
0: growth yeah. and how to relate
1: those together would be quite useful, for those, those sorts of
0: skills. Yep, I absolutely agree. I, I like to have a little bit of everything in my wheelhouse, but I'm not a specialist in some of those other areas. One of the things I want to get from this personally is to inspire someone else to go, oh, I didn't realise I could write policy for the federal government. That sounds pretty good. Or the local government, even. Um, and pick that up. And so the, the resources that we begin to generate can then be distributed to other permaculturalists. And hopefully, I would anyway, if something comes out of Permaculture Australia, I'm going to give it a look. Like I'm going to check to see if it... a matches what I think Permaculture Australia is about. But if it's, if I kind of get along with it, I'm going to promote it. And it's, it's going to become my beliefs and my plans. So when someone starts talking about something, I can, I've can i got someone to reach for um, to help pitch the idea. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, this is um, what's happening right now with the development of the, the level of wind farms, the massive solar farms going in. Mm-hmm. Being on the fringe of the industry, there's not really a sense of how they're going to operate differently mm-hmm. or their, license, their social licence right influencing this at this point so that they start to put an ecological layer into their development is uh-huh. like really, really important because it's not being done right now. So yep. this kind of integration of staffing or anything hmm. else that can come in
1: could actually lead to some real changes in the way that some of those
0: companies operate. So I, I think it's time to come. Have fun. you sent me an email? Yes. All right, fantastic. Just to wrap up, can
1: you tell us why so we're doing it, is that the subject line?
0: Yep, that's the go. Look, you can send me a blank email with just PPP in the subject to that email address. I'll be able to filter them out easy, squeezy, and there we go. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you.